Building Faith Podcast by Chris Reese Ministries is a podcast to bring you biblical solutions to life's tough challenges. For more tools, tips, and teachings, check out our community by going to chrisreese.com. That's K-R-I-S-R-E-E-C-E.com. Is trying to love the narcissist making you feel like you don't even know who you are anymore? Well, if you are like many well-meaning Christians who choose to stay with the narcissist, it's highly likely that you can't quiet that nagging question, will loving them be worth it? And how do I love this person without letting their toxic behavior infect me? I mean, if I'm guessing correctly, you've barely got done forgiving them for their last offense before you get hit with the next one. How do I love them without losing me? That's the question. Well, today I want to talk to you about three traps that you'll need to avoid if you want to hold on to your identity and your sanity in a narcissistic relationship, plus three ways to love a narcissist without losing yourself. Well, hey, my friend, my name is Chris Reese, and I want to welcome you back to another edition of the Building Faith Podcast, where it is my hope to bring you biblical solutions to life's tough challenges. So if you are not already subscribed, would you go ahead and hit that subscribe and notification button so you don't miss any of the content that we put out? To love a toxic person without losing yourself, you're going to want to avoid these three traps. Trap number one is empathy. Now, empathy in general is a wonderful Christ-like quality. But when you have empathy with a narcissist, their receiver hears, oh, I can take advantage of you. Now, even if they don't actually say that out loud, that's how they're feeling. You see, the trap of empathy with a narcissist is the false belief that you can actually heal them. Trap number two is codependency. Codependency is an unhealthy attachment, almost addictive to another person. It is the devil's counterfeit for interdependency. And when codependency is thriving, you can't be okay unless the other person is okay with you. And codependency with a narcissist is kept alive with the belief that you can change them. And trap number three is hope. And this is where most Christians get tripped up because they stand firm on the belief that all things are possible with God. And my friend, I'm right there with you on that. All things are possible with God, but the problem doesn't lie with God. It lies with the narcissist's choices. And until they stop choosing demonic behavior and repent, well, there isn't much hope. Proverbs 13, 12 reminds us that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So if you are hoping that today will be a good day, but then get rocked when it's not, it's likely that you're hoping against hope, not of anything with substance. Now, hope deferred with a narcissist is the belief that it will be well worth the wait. Okay, so now that you know where the landmines are and how to avoid them, now it's time to apply the three principles to love the narcissist without losing yourself. Number one, accept who they are, and how they are. Look, I can almost hear you now. Chris, how could you possibly tell me to accept such terrible behavior? It would be like saying, oh, that's okay, just walk all over me. My friend, that's not what I'm saying. When I say 
accept who they are. Acceptance doesn't mean agreement. It doesn't even mean tolerance. It simply means that you recognize who they are and how they are, and you give up the stress of trying to change them. You can recognize whether you've accepted this person if you no longer should all over them. You see, Maya Angelou once said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. It's time to hang up the hope that today is going to be a good day and then getting bent out of shape when their lies, manipulation, self-pity, anger, condescension, blame-shifting behavior ruins the day. So stop being shocked when their behavior is narcissistic. Simply determine what your boundaries will be and stand firm to protect yourself. And if you usually drive to parties together, but you're constantly getting into arguments over his road rage, uh, simply take another vehicle or go by yourself or don't go at all. Those are just some examples of some boundaries that you can set. And if you want to learn how to set healthy boundaries that you can be proud of, make sure you go ahead and check out this episode here. Also, we have an online course called Biblical Boundaries with Toxic Family. I'll go ahead and include a link in the description section. Number two is practice emotional guarding. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for out of it flows the wellsprings of life. And unless you enjoy intense emotional roller coasters that leave you exhilarated one minute and vomiting the next, you're going to have to emotionally and maybe even physically detach from this person. This means that you no longer own their behaviors and emotions. And I realize that this may feel cold, but that's where avoiding the trap of codependency comes in. You, you've likely been trained to take on more than you should in a relationship, all in the name of love. But my friend, this isn't biblical. Jesus didn't do it, and neither should we. In fact, if you want to see a comical parody on what it would look like if Jesus were codependent, make sure you check out this episode right here when you're finished. To emotionally guard yourself, you'll need to be firm in your identity. Remember, your identity can't be wrapped up in another person or your toast. You'll also need to prep yourself to not absorb their stuff into your soul. Then you'll want to be intentional about what you do when this person actually gets to you. Having a healthy outlet like prayer or counseling is going to prevent the shoulds and it will quell the overreactions and overexplaining. But here's the hard truth. They're draining you because you're allowing them. My friend, guard your heart. And number three, don't respond to toxic, period. There is no biblical rule that says you need to explain yourself, show them that what they're doing is wrong, yell, cry, or otherwise respond to their toxic behavior. You can simply not respond. When you respond in a healthy way, they don't receive it. When you respond in a toxic way, you're simply repaying toxic for toxic. Your toxic reaction doesn't negate their toxic actions. So be on the lookout for the temptation to say, you make me feel. Because the truth is, at the end of that sentence is a tremendous growth opportunity. And if you're tempted to say, she makes me feel guilty when, I want you to own the middle part and change it to, I feel guilty. 
And from there, you can do the work of dealing with your guilty feelings instead of trying to change their guilt-inducing behaviors. Because in case you haven't noticed, it's not working. And if you are struggling to set boundaries, I want to invite you to jump back on over to episode 221, where we talk about Biblical Boundaries 101. We are starting from scratch. And my friend, if you want to dive deeper and set boundaries like a boss, I want to invite you to check out my online course called Biblical Boundaries with Toxic Family. I'll go ahead and include a link in the show notes, or you can jump on over to chrisreese.com and check out that course today. Thank you for listening to the Building Faith Podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more resources mentioned in this podcast, go to chrisreese.com. While you're there, help us keep the Building Faith Podcast on the air by becoming a monthly supporter or by making a one-time donation. Well, my friend, until next time, remember, all things are possible.